Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. What a day to glorify Jesus. And, uh, you know, I was thinking in preparation for today just how different it would be, uh, you know, for us who are called to preach and to minister. You know, we can't see faces today, so I just get to take the posture that everything I say you agree with and uh, you amen today. And, uh, you know, I thought coming in, there wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to use traffic as an excuse for me being late. And uh, I thought about how in talking to people, uh, I wouldn't need to worry about if I had coffee breath today either. And uh, remembering to use Tic Tacs, you know, Jesus is with us, and the comfort of His presence is with us. And I'm thankful that you can see us and see me, even though I'm not able to see you in this moment. Well, I want to address two things up front before I preach what I'm confident the Lord has asked me to share today. Uh, The first is today we're not the gathered church, but we are the scattered church church. And you know, as I was thinking about us today and you being in homes all around this area and region, I was blessed by the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, where Christ bids me to maintain fellowship for the sake of love, I will maintain it. Where his truth enjoins me to dissolve a fellowship for love's sake, there I will dissolve it despite all the protest of my human love. I so identified with that, because to be honest, in my human love, I did not want to cancel the gatherings today. But for love's sake, for Jesus' sake, we chose to dissolve it. Let me explain our thinking behind it, because this really is an opportunity for further discipleship for all of us. We, the followers of Jesus, the church... The body of Christ, we exist for Jesus Christ. And Christ exists both for us, His people, and unbelievers. And you know, all around us, there are multitudes of unbelievers that are vulnerable to getting this virus that the nations of the world are facing. And if an unbeliever were to get the virus, it actually puts them in a position of being propelled faster towards the reality of an eternity without knowing Jesus Christ and being reconciled to their Creator. And therefore, for our love for Christ, our love for His purpose on why we as His body even exist, And our love for unbelievers compels us not to meet and to gather. Why? Because they found out that there are many people who can actually get the virus and it not affect them greatly. That they don't show symptoms. And yet the one who has it and yet doesn't show symptoms can infect many people who are more vulnerable to the virus around them. 
And that, of course, can result in more people dying or being propelled towards an eternity without knowing the grace and the truth found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Of course, the president asked for 15 days for the nation to practice social distancing to help maintain the virus from rapidly spreading and seeking to ensure that less people get the virus and are facing the possibility of death. Now we know as followers of Jesus what Paul said in Romans 13 about God giving the institution of government to help serve His purpose. And we of course seek to honor government. But we have to remember something. That our foundation in not gathering today is even deeper than just honoring what the president asks because there are times and there's been times throughout history that the government has asked something that was contrary to the greater law that as a follower of Jesus we are commanded to follow. You say, what is that greater law, Pastor Chad? That's the law of love, the law of Christ. But the president in what he asked us to follow coincides with the law of love and the law of Christ. And that is that we would not seek to put other people, especially unbelievers, more at risk to contracting the virus and being propelled towards a possibly an eternity without Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to share that up front as just a teaching moment, but understand the heart behind it. Uh, of why we're not gathering today. Now, secondly, I want to guard us as we face this difficult time of not us seeing the context and what we're facing correctly. So we all know we are all vulnerable to fear in these times of uncertainty. But one thing we have to remember is that Nations, and even our own nation, previously, times before us who are on earth today, have faced similar crises, plagues, other flus like the Spanish flu. So I say that up front that though this is something we've not faced in our lifetime, it is something that has been faced before. Now, lastly, before I preach, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Craig and his wife Meredith and the team, those that are here, Tony and Casey and Sophia and uh, several from the media team, thank you so much for all that you've done this week in serving God's people and making this moment possible. And I so identify with what Pastor Craig said that though we might feel chained and limited because of what we're facing, the Word of God's not unchained. Amen? It is unchained. That being said, here at Dwelling Place in March, we have been in a series, Missions March Beyond the 52. Why don't you say that right there? Beyond the 52, right where you're at, there in your home. Last time, I preached a message titled, The Order of March, and today I want to preach a message titled, The Breath of March. Will you say that with me? The Breath of March. I want us to look at one scripture that is going to be the foundation for what God has put in my heart to share today, and that's 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. In fact, if you look to the right, uh, you'll see a link that you can follow along there on Facebook. 
with the sermon card, and, and uh, I'm not going to be focused on hitting every point in order, but that uh, is for you to be able to go back over what God is saying to you and your household and speaking uh, in this moment to each and every one of us. But you can follow along and have that in the days to come to reflect upon and to revisit what takes place in this moment. But in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul he writes to Timothy, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, of course, he is speaking in the context of those that are in right relationship with God through following Jesus Christ. He says that God's people who are in covenant with Him through Jesus Christ, that God has not given His people a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless every home, I bless every person, Lord, that's watching. I ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to allow the unchained Word of God to minister to them, that your comforting presence and the reality of your kingdom would fill homes and fill lives, O God, with your peace and with the joy of of your Spirit. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. May your Word prevail in our lives and in our circumstances and in the situations that we face. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you began to hear what the, the doctors and those that are studying the coronavirus, what they begin to say about the uniqueness of this virus is about its effects upon the lungs and the breathing of people. And as I begin to reflect upon the effect of this virus upon lungs and breathing, it just made me think about the value of breath. The value of breath. I remember there have been two times in my life that I almost drowned. And, and uh, you know, when you are drowning and you, you can't catch your breath, it's in moments like that, as you reflect back on it, that you come to realize the value of breath. The importance of being able to breathe. And as I thought about this, I thought about also the importance of the breath of God. The breath of God. You know, the book of Job is the oldest scripture book. It was the oldest recorded scripture. And when you read the book of Job, we get insight into the oldest worldview or or the oldest understanding of the people who lived in those times of God and and His ways and, and, and how things took place and why they took place on the earth. And when you read through the book of Job, you'll find repeatedly that in their worldview of those days and times, they understood that it was the breath of God that gives life. It was the breath of God that gives life. In fact, when you look at Moses, uh, as he reflects back to the creation account, and he writes well after the fact, the book of Genesis... It says in Genesis 2, 7 that God took of the, the dust of the ground and, and He formed uh, an earthly tent or a clay vessel and He breathed the breath, His breath, the breath of God into that clay vessel and man became a living person, a living being. I think about Jesus who becomes in the days we live in the express image of God. 
He becomes the clearest picture of how we should understand the world in God and relating to God. And Jesus, after His resurrection in John chapter 20, verse 21 through 22, He's speaking to His disciples. And He tells them, He says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Wow, what a powerful statement. I believe that's what Jesus is saying to us today because He's still the resurrected Lord and He's saying to us, Peace to you. And it says, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's a powerful thing. Jesus says, Peace to you. And then He reminds them that just as I was sent by God, our Father in heaven, on a mission and a purpose on this earth, so I send you, that you're still sent. Then he says, it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Notice he breathed on them. And notice as he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here we see the breath of God referring to the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to each and every one of us today that Jesus desires to breathe on us. He desires to breathe upon our home. He desires to breathe upon our marriage. He desires to breathe upon our family, even in the midst of uncertainty. you got to understand the context of when that happened. The disciples had so much uncertainty. Jesus, the one they had been following, had been crucified and died. Now He's standing before them, resurrected, and He's talking about that He's going to ascend to the Father. They don't know what the days ahead is going to look like. They don't know what the relationship with Jesus is going to look like. And he says peace to them in that moment. He says that I, just as I'm sent, you're still sent. And then he breathes on them and says receive the Holy Spirit. And I thought about how the breath of God is not just in creating human life, but the breath of God is also in imparting His divine life. That every person on earth today is on earth and alive because the breath of God has given them human life. But not every person on earth and not even every believer on earth is allowing God to breathe on them to impart His divine life. His divine life. And that brings us to the issue of the Holy Spirit's ministry today. The role in the ministry of the Holy Spirit under the new covenant. A covenant that was established by Jesus' own blood, that was established by Jesus allowing His body to be broken. And how the Holy Spirit gives us power over the enemy. In fact, in Acts 2, 32-35, if you have your scriptures or Bible before, you can turn there or follow along. But in Acts 2, in verse 32, it says, This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. This is on the day of Pentecost. Peter's preaching and he says, This Jesus God has raised up and we're all witnesses of this and therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand Till I make your enemies your footstool. Wow, notice that. That the outpouring of the Holy Spirit under the new covenant is directly related to making Jesus' enemies his footstool. 
that God gave this promise of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament Scriptures as there was coming a day that He was going to pour out an outpouring of His Holy Spirit upon all people, that the breath of God's divine life was going to be available to all people. And notice that that outpouring was directly connected to making Jesus' enemies be His footstool. Simply put, His enemies being put under His feet. And His feet is a part of His body. And His followers are called the body of Christ, meaning this. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the ministry and the role of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant to empower us to put the enemy under our feet as His body. And this directly ties in to our main text today. That main scripture we read up front, 2 Timothy 1.7, where through the Apostle Paul, God breathes in this letter to Timothy, and it still speaks to us today, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What's he saying? He's saying that God, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, gives us power over and against the enemy. That God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, gives us power over and against the spirit of fear. Notice Paul is very clear. He speaks that there is a spirit of fear. The Bible clearly speaks that there is a demon spirit, a demon spirit of fear. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit gives us power over that spirit of fear. Jesus in John 16 when He talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the new covenant in His last moments before His crucifixion and His passion to the disciples, He tells them in John 16 that when the Holy Spirit comes, He's coming to convince us. Some translations say convict us. It means to convince. And one of the things is is to convince us of judgment. Judgment about what? That the old ruler of this world that old ruler of why this world is so messed up, Satan and his kingdom, that judgment has came to the enemy. And the Holy Spirit today wants to convict us and convince us that God's got power that can be breathed into our life, His divine life, that we can have power over a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe right there, just go ahead and thank Him. Thank God right there in your home and in this moment that God's got power available through the ministry of the Holy Spirit over a spirit of fear, that when the, the enemy's trying to use this time of uncertainty and this time to discourage so many people and hit people with the spirit of fear, that as followers of Jesus Christ, because of His finished work, we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit to put that spirit of fear under our feet, that that spirit of fear doesn't have to have its way in our home and in our children and in our family and about our jobs in our future. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Notice in our main text, there's a correlation you see between the spirit of fear and effects upon our minds. Paul, he says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Meaning this, that the enemy in a spirit of fear is sent to try to begin to affect our mind. But the breath of God, His divine life, through the empowerment and ministry of the Holy Spirit, gives us the power to focus. 
that the enemy comes against our minds in such times, but the power of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, gives us power and the ability to focus, to have a sound mind. Paul later in the same letter, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he makes this declaration and he testifies. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice it says finish the race. Everybody just say finish. Finish. Now what is this finishing the race? The race is a reference to the ministry of Paul. The work of ministry that he was assigned to, that he was called to. It was his part and role of the work of Jesus Christ through his body on the earth. It was his share of the body of Christ's work. And Paul says, I finished that race. Notice that the call and the, go- and the goal for every one of us is to finish the race. That the goal and the call is for us to finish our race. The goal and the call is for me to finish my race. My unique role in Christ's work on the earth for you to finish your race. But see, listen, fear can affect our ability to finish our race. Why? Because fear can feel and seek to flood our mind with such negativity. And such negativity and such fear begins to affect our ability to focus. I think about the wise words of Corey Ten Boom, who lived in such a time of turmoil and tension. She said, if you look at the world, you'll be de-stressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Hallelujah. I remember what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12. He's speaking of the race that every follower of Jesus has. And the writer of Hebrews exhorts us to fix our eyes on Jesus. See, listen to me. Fear tries to get our eyes focused on the wrong things. But the breath of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, God's power enables us to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus, the right one. Paul says, finish. And to finish, we got to have focus. Focus on Christ. Focus on His purpose. Focus on His mission. Focus on His purpose for you and your parenting, in your marriage, in your call, in your life. we got to finish in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can focus our eyes on Jesus and finish the race set before us. Secondly, notice he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. So we got to finish, but we also got to fight in order to finish. In order to finish, we got to focus and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to keep our eyes on Jesus, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to fight. Listen, I found in life that people don't fight if they don't have a reason for living. That people don't fight against circumstances and fight against trials and fight against fear unless there's something on the inside that's greater, a purpose and a reason for living. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. For followers of Jesus Christ, listen to me. The coronavirus hasn't changed our reason for living. Come on, listen, it might have changed some of the circumstances of our living, but coronavirus hasn't changed our purpose for living. That that main purpose hasn't changed. 
God's main purpose in Jesus Christ for His followers hasn't changed. How we go about our job maybe has changed. How we worship together has obviously changed currently. But listen to me, though so many things seem uncertain and seem to have changed, there is many things in Christ that have not changed. And the main thing has not changed. And that's God's mission for His people. That's God's mission and purpose for you and for I. I. But though that's true, unfortunately, so many followers of Jesus Christ don't know that reason for living. Don't know that mandate and that mission, their role and their race, their call and their unique expression of Christ upon the earth. I want to exhort you that what better time when many of us have access to utilize our time and there's more time to choose to do what you're going to do with it that you would use this time to press in and to discover, have revealed to you your gifting and your function as a part of the member of the body of Christ. That you would in this time fight the good fight of faith and you would begin to fight to discover your purpose for living, your purpose in Christ, your call and the work and the share of the ministry of Jesus on the earth today. Many of you do know your gifting. You know your function. And Paul speaks directly to us and he says, you fight with the knowledge of your purpose. Fight in these times where fear tries to get you. Fight with the understanding of your gifting and and your function. Fight with the function that you have in Christ. Paul fought because Paul knew he was sent. He knew his race. Jesus, when He went to those disciples in John 20, He says, just as I was sent, so I send you. I want to tell you today that as a follower of Jesus, you're sent. And we cannot just finish the race and keep focused, but we can fight in the midst by knowing our race, knowing our calling, knowing our mission and reason for living in Christ. So He fought, He finished, and lastly He kept out of this Verse in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I've kept the faith. And it was only by the supernatural breath of God that he was able to keep the faith. Listen to me, Paul went through times of uncertainty and difficulty just like you and I are facing today. Paul went through shipwrecks. Paul went through times where he thought he was going to drown. Paul was bit by a fiery, a poisonous viper. Paul was beaten multiple times. Paul was stoned. Paul was thrown in prison. And yet Paul was able to keep the faith. Why? Because of the breath of Almighty God through the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit under the new covenant. Paul apparently believed in the importance of asking those who claimed to follow Jesus in Acts 19.10. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Listen to me. We need the breath of the Holy Spirit upon our life. We can't live just depending on the breath of God that He gave us for human life. We need the supernatural breath of God for His divine life for the days we live in. Paul, in fact, said that in the last days perilous times will come. And he said this, that there will be many that have a form of godliness but deny its power. The exhortation in what's burning in my heart today for followers of Jesus is that we don't have the luxury to resist 
and not receive the supernatural breath of God through the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't have the luxury to not know the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit who is the manifest and revealed reality of Jesus the King and His kingdom. The presence of His righteous kingdom and the presence of His peace and the joy of His kingdom. God wants to breathe upon you right in it today. He wants to breathe upon me. He wants to breathe upon our homes. He wants to breathe the supernatural breath of God upon His people. See, it's the breath of God that provides the power to rebuke fear. We don't rebuke fear because we feel fearless. We don't rebuke fear because we don't feel fearful. We rebuke fear because God says that we can stand against that spirit of fear. It doesn't come from God. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to have courage even when we feel fearful. Even when we feel uncertain. Even when we feel shaky, even though we're standing in an unshakable kingdom. Oh, praise His name. I thought about how the coronavirus, they say that only about one person in six becomes seriously ill. Only about one in six develops difficulty breathing. And I thought about in this time as followers of Jesus, how some followers of Jesus are more vulnerable to the times, the fearful times and the uncertain times that we're facing today and the days ahead. Why? Because they don't know their reason for living. They don't know their gift and their function and their role in the body of Christ. But those who do, they know how to fight. They understand that though many things are changing, their main purpose for living and being on the earth hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. And this leads to action point number one that deals with the mind. And it leads to this question that we should ask ourselves, what is my part of the mission? What is my part of the mission? And this speaks to having a mission mindset. That in all things, our action, our response, or our reaction is to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, which is Jesus. That our action is to have a mission mindset to finish the race that God's put before us, to fight the good fight of faith, and to keep the faith. I think about the work, the great work of Dr. Robert Clinton. He's done numerous studies and research on, on believers and ministers who finish their race, who at the end of their life have kept the faith and fulfilled and, and, and walked outwardly in obedience to God's call and purpose on their life. And he lists six characteristics of those who finish well. And one of those characteristics of those who finish well is that they walk with a growing awareness of a sense of destiny and see some or all of it fulfilled. I want to tell you that even in the midst of what we're going through and facing, we can grow in our awareness of having a mission mindset. A mind that is focused by the power of the Holy Spirit that our mission hasn't changed. While we're here on the earth hasn't changed. That the Lord's work through the body of Christ and the call of the body of Christ hasn't changed. That we would get a mission mindset. The Holy Spirit here today wants to empower us to have a mission mindset. That Jesus' purpose hasn't changed. Listen, mom and dad... 
Jesus' purpose to empower you to raise them and train them and the admonition of the Lord hasn't changed even though they're having to learn how to do homeschool if they have been involved in public school. But the mission of our parenting hasn't changed. That even if your job and the context of how you fulfill your job has changed, why you do your job hasn't changed. That whatever we do, we do it heartily unto the Lord who sees our work and will reward us when He comes. That even though our eating and our drinking has changed, that we're not out at restaurants but we're eating at our home we have a missional mind and that missional mind is that our eating hasn't changed because whether we eat or drink we do it all for the glory of God come on I feel the power of God setting a mission mindset that though many, so many things are changing and are uncertain as the people of God there's so many things that still are the same that remain unchained. And that's the mission mindset of our purpose and our call in Jesus Christ. There's still a race for us. Jesus is still sitting on the throne. He's still at rest at the right hand of God. The power of the Holy Spirit still available. Jesus is still speaking. Jesus is still empowering. Jesus is still leading His people. He's still providing for His people. His promises are still yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I wish you would just go ahead and let faith fill your heart right now. That you would begin to just worship Him and thank Him and give Him a hand clap of praise right where you're at today. Oh, why don't you go ahead and type in what God's saying to you and how you're believing God and how He's ministering to you on Facebook and things like that. Begin to exhort one another on there because there are some things that have changed. But listen to me, the main things for God's people hasn't changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His blood still speaks better things. It's still an everlasting covenant that's established. And we have access to the Holy Spirit's power to not allow fear to keep us from a mission mindset. But you know, there's attacks that try to come against our faith. As Scripture says, the just, the righteous are to live by faith. And I have found personally in my life in different times that there's a faith blocker. And the number one faith blocker I'm mentioning today is an overstimulated mind. A mind where the spirit of fear begins to attack and our mind begins to be overstimulated with what if this happens or what if that happens. And, and, and we become obsessive and compulsive in trying to plan, listen to me, our future in times of uncertainty. And the enemy wants us to get an overstimulated mind because an overstimulated mind is vulnerable to fear. And fear shuts down God's power in our life. An overstimulated mind makes us vulnerable to complexity. And complexity shuts down focus. But the breath of God is the power for us to have a sound mind. That our mind can be empowered to stay on the Lord, to, to stay focused and fixed at the main things of why we're on earth as His followers hasn't changed. See, I thought about how if we have a race, if you, if you as you're running, if you can't breathe, you can't finish your race. I thought about how when you can't breathe, you can't stay focused. It, it, you're, you become unable to focus and to see when you can't breathe. These are symptoms of the coronavirus. And I find it relating that there's been a virus of the enemy attacking Jesus' people and Jesus' body. And that fear's been trying to get our focus off of the main things. And I want to tell you that God wants to breathe the power of His Spirit upon you and your family and your home that you can fight to know your fight. 
You can fight to know your reason and your purpose and your calling in Christ. You can fight to know what's worth fighting for. Listen to me. That you can be empowered today to fight the cares of life to know what you should primarily care for in life. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you today to fight the cares of this life to know what you should primarily care for in this life. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to get a mission mindset so that we can fight the love of money to know what we should love with our money. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to fight the love of money so that we can know who we should love with our money. I think about Paul when he said in another place in Philippians 3, he said, one thing that I do. Notice that. It wasn't in a complexity of mind. It wasn't in an overstimulated mind. Paul said, one thing that I do. I stay focused because I have a mission mindset that there is a race and though my circumstances change and though things around me change, the race doesn't change. Jesus' call doesn't change. His gifting doesn't change. His function and His anointing, His empowerment on our life doesn't change. Oh, praise the Lord. And I hear this for His people today. Simplify your seeking. And your seeking will simplify your mission. Simplify your seeking. Don't, in this time, seek to try to get answers about all the unknowns of the future. As more information comes in, as more things progress, facts will become known, What we're dealing with in the days ahead will become known. But don't get overwhelmed and overstimulate in your mind about that. Listen, simplify your seeking. And your seeking will simplify your mission in this moment. So the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is power over the enemy. It's power to focus. It's power to overcome fears, effect of overstimulating our mind. Next, it's power to freedom. There's a story in Acts chapter 8 and verse 13. I was reminded of it this week. and It talks about how an evangelist went to Samaria and began to preach the word and the city responded great. Many believed and they were water baptized and they send the apostles down because they hadn't received the the Holy Spirit, the, the divine life and breath of God. And we pick it up in verse 13 about the story of this man who had said he believed and been water baptized and said, Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money, you have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness, notice that, and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. Here is Simon You see his desire for power, but his posture and his heart to God 
to the ministry of the Holy Spirit was give me power so that I can get praise. Simon's mindset was a mindset that was still about him and his glory. See, if you go and read before that, it says that he was a sorcerer, a magician. And he would do a lot of demonic influences that would, that would captivate the minds of that city and the people. And they esteemed him unique. And, and though it says now he's believed and he's been water baptized, he, he doesn't have the right mission mindset. His mission and his mindset is still about him. And we get a glimpse of his mission motive. He, he wants power and he, and he wants the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his life, but it, it's not a pure motive. And he's saying, listen, give me power so that I can still get praise. But God, you know what God's saying to Simon and what God says to all of us? Is give me praise so that I can give you my power. Give me your pursuit. Give me your priority so that I can give you my power. See, listen to me. When you are focused by a mission mindset, then you understand what the purpose of the power is for. Paul, when he was filled with the power of God and the power of God working in his life because he had a clear mission mindset. He knew what the power was for and he was able to keep a pure mission motive. This is the action point number two that speaks to our motive. Action point one questions our mindset in such times. Action point number two begins to question and speak to our motive in such times. And this is the question that we want to ask ourselves. Why do I need power? What's our mission motive? See, I have found that God doesn't create all the difficulties in life. God didn't create sin and the broken world that sin's created. But He seeks to take advantage and use difficult times and trials in our life. And one of the ways He seeks to use it is to purify our motive to give us a pure missional motive. For instance, many of us, we've been going through life and we have desired and been using so much of our pursuit and, and passion and energy to maybe climb a corporate ladder or to obtain a certain position of, of respect or power in our area of job or field. Or maybe as parents, we, we've desired to be able to have power to, to influence our children or to get them to obey. And maybe some of us, we've, we've desired this power, but it's in times like this when what we've known has been cut back currently that God can purify our motive. What really was our motive for working? Because as followers of Jesus, when we have a mission Mandate the motive for working is to be the presence of Jesus in that environment. That it's beyond just titles and beyond just influence and beyond just making money. It's that we're to be a people with a mission mandate that also has a pure mission motive. But it's oftentimes in the difficult times, in the wilderness times, in the uncertain times that God seeks to purify our motive for what we have been doing or what we have had in our life. And this is why in 2 Timothy 1.7 when, when the Scripture says God's not given us a spirit of fear but of power, watch this, then and of love. 
that our motive for work, our motive for gathering, our motive for growth phases, our motive for all that we do is a mission motive of love. Not like Simon for self and self-seeking, but for love of Jesus, His kingdom, His purpose, His mission. In Galatians 5.13, Paul in another place here says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty, freedom, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the power of God to free us to be able to love and to serve. See, the opposite is what we saw in Simon. Where Simon, it said he was poisoned by bitterness. And he was bitter because he had self-seeking in his heart. He had a mindset that was just about him and what was best for him. He didn't have a mission mindset of, of knowing his purpose and his role of why Jesus still had him on earth and at work and, and, and why Jesus has us gather or, or grow or, or group. And, and he had this bitterness. He was bound by iniquity and it was hindering him being empowered to serve and to love others. And it's the same with us. Is that spirits of fear try to come and get us so consumed about us that it seeks to quench God's power in our life to look up and look out and to be empowered to serve and to love people around us. I thought about how the coronavirus, how it's affecting us. It's, it's, it's causing us to have to isolate ourselves. Many have been quarantined and, and practicing social distancing and and. And I think because of the virus's effect, it's like our freedom to be able to love certain people has been withdrawn. That I can't just walk up to any person or, or go into any home and knock and they'll welcome me. Because the coronavirus has isolated us in practicing physical distancing and social distancing. And I thought about, is that not also a picture? of what self and selfish desires and, and bitterness and, and, and covetousness and jealousies, is that not what it does in my heart and, and in your heart and our heart? Is that it gets us to distance from one another, that it begins to break down unity and it begins to hinder the power of moving in one accord and, and moving with the freedom that Christ has purchased for us to be free to love others and serve others. See, a faith blocker is unforgiveness. Simon, he, his faith is hindered. His, his pure expression of faith in Jesus as Lord is hindered because he's holding on to bitterness and, and unforgiveness and hinders our faith to be able to relate to God correctly through Christ and relate to others correctly. But listen, the Holy Spirit is the power of God to be able to enable us to forgive when we in our own ability can't forgive. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, can breathe and release us from grudges that seek to isolate and divide. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to love and to love by forgiving. Also another faith blocker is selfishness. 
But the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to take up our cross, to put us as second and Jesus as first. And when Jesus is first, God is first, and then others take priority over our own selfishness. Paul, in the same chapter of our main text in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he says this to Timothy. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Watch this, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Now listen to me, friends, family. This is not a verse that we can look back on and say, well, that was something that was just Paul exhorting Timothy and it has no application to you and I today. Listen to me, we cannot look at the verse that way. We can't afford it. This is still an exhortation for every follower of Jesus Christ to preach the Word. You know what that means? It means to proclaim Christ in the way that you are gifted to function as a member of the body of Christ in your area. Every one of us in this time need to allow the breath of God and the power of the Holy Spirit fill us and be upon us to empower us to preach and demonstrate the reality of Jesus and His kingdom of righteousness, His kingdom of peace, and His kingdom of joy in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, this speaks to, because notice at the end of the verse, he says, convince, rebuke, and exhort. It speaks to another, actually, faith blocker, which is too much dependency on the hand of man. I hear the Lord saying to His people that we need to forsake and repent where we've allowed supernatural faith to fill our lives because we have depended too much on the hand and the ability of man to do what? Watch this. To convict and convince people of the reality of Jesus and His kingdom. Listen, we have put too much pressure that by our perfect performance, the person of Christ will reach someone. No, no, no. Listen, it's by faith in Jesus' perfect performance that the Spirit of Christ will convict and convince people the reality that Jesus is Lord and His kingdom is at hand and that He commands all people everywhere to repent and begin to follow Him. One who loved them so much that He was crucified and gave up His life on earth so that He can impart new supernatural breath and divine life unto us. That we can't put more confidence in the finger of man than the finger of God. The finger of man can't heal people's hurts. The finger of man can't liberate people from depression and oppression and hurts of their past and abuses and addictions. Oh, but God's finger can do it. Jesus, when He went and He preached the Word, He preached God's declaration as the living Word. It says in Luke 20, He said, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. The Word of God, as we've declared today, is unchained. 
That in these circumstances, we don't need to depend upon our own ability, our own fingers, or our own wisdom to see people reach with the gospel. We need to have faith in the supernatural power of the breath of God that is worth faithful to preach the Word and manifest Christ the way He's gifted us and called us to function and the way He's empowered us and freed us to be able to serve and love others. That the Word of God and the power of His Spirit will convince and convict people of the reality of Jesus in His kingdom. Freedom to love. So the power of the Holy Spirit is power over the enemy. Power to focus. Power to freedom. And lastly, power to fruitfulness. Did you notice in 2 Timothy 4.2, when he said, preach the word, he makes this statement. It's a statement that really challenges me. It really convicts me. And the statement is, be ready in season and out of season. In season and out of season at our home that we live in, the owners before had planted some, some fruit trees, some fruit-bearing trees, and they're just now, many of them, flowering. They're beginning to bud because we begin to approach spring. What's interesting is that they weren't producing fruit in winter in the past season. And oftentimes we, we look at that and we think our role as followers of Jesus about, well, it's just not a season to be fruitful. We look at our human context. We look at the human things we're facing. Maybe it's a time of such financial uncertainty or it's a time of our job uncertainty or relational uncertainty or future uncertainty. But in times of such tension and difficulty, we just say, well, it's not my season to be fruitful. But this exhortation confronts me in that line of thinking. It confronts us because the exhortation is be ready in season and out of season. And I I think, how can I be fruitful in season and out of season? Some of you, you're getting excited because your favorite season of the year is spring. Or for many of us, summer. Some of you were coming out of your favorite or, or came out of previously fall. But what we find is, is that the call to fruitfulness is in any season and all seasons. Why? Because this speaks that God has made available through Jesus' finished work, the breath of God, the supernatural, divine life of His through the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit is God's power and God's provision through Jesus' finished work to be fruitful in season and out of season. And He says this, be ready. You know what that speaks to? It speaks to preparedness. What it says is be ready at all times to focus, to fight, to keep the faith. Be ready at all times to have a mission mindset and a mission mission motive. How? How are we to be prepared? By accepting and welcoming and receiving the supernatural breath of God and the ministry and the intimacy and the person of the Holy Spirit. Developing an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus spoke of preparedness in the parable of the virgins. He said that there were ten virgins and they all ten had lamps. But there was five who had lamps but no oil. There was five who had lamps with oil. Oil meaning dependency and intimacy 
receiving and fellowshipping with the oil from heaven, the breath of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Be ready with the oil. Be ready by dependence because the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us to be fruitful in season and out. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit can empower and produce His fruit in any season of our life. That even in the coronavirus and the pandemic, the Holy Spirit is the empowerment to produce His fruit in any season. The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of kindness, the fruit of gentleness, the fruit of patience and long-suffering and faithfulness. And this is how, even in this difficult time, friends, we can be content. That whether in season or out, we can still be content. Because Paul said, there's been seasons where I abounded, and there's been seasons I was abased. But I learned the secret in all seasons to contentment. And that secret is dependency upon Christ and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who says, Only he who gives thanks for little things receives the big things. Watch that. Only he who gives thanks for little things receives the big things. You know what preparedness looks like in God's people in such a time? It looks like gratitude. You know what a mission mindset and a mission motive looks like in such times? It looks, to, it looks like gratitude. It looks like us also having a mission mouth. That because we have a mission mindset that the main things haven't changed, that Jesus is still Lord, His call, His gifting, His purpose for us on the earth hasn't changed. His purpose for us in our parenting hasn't changed. His purpose for us in our work hasn't changed. His purpose for us in our eating and drinking all for the glory of God hasn't changed. That ready people are grateful people and we thank God now in times where things are taken from us, we should thank God for the little things. And as we do that, it prepares us for the big things that He wants to do through us in the days to come. Tony, if you'll come at this time. Jesus, He speaks in John 15 that His followers have fruit and then followers are to have more fruit, and then His followers are to have much fruit. Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But this speaks to action point three regarding our mouth and having a missional mouth. As we've been looking in this series of March missions and moving beyond the 52 Sundays of the year, is this question, where are the little things that lead to the bigger things? You say, what do we mean by bigger things? Listen, God defines the bigger things for you and I, His people. The bigger things is a reference to what Jesus speaks of in John 15, of the much fruit and the more fruit. Of the more fruit and the much fruit. 
that sure you and I as followers of Jesus we've seen some fruit in our life but we got to have a mission mouth to thank God for what we've seen what we've tasted and the goodness of the Lord that we've tasted and seen we got to thank God for things that we did have in our life that maybe we took for granted the ability to go to stores and groceries whenever we wanted the ability to buy anything we wanted because it was always there the abundance of supplies the ability to go to work the ability to be around people the ability to gather freely the ability to be with other brothers and sisters and gather physically together that we began to thank God for things that are maybe little that we took for granted the missions mouse prepares us for the bigger things of more fruit and much fruit what I'm preaching today, friends, is that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you and I and empower us to keep in this difficult time of the coronavirus and uncertainty a mission mindset. A mindset that our mission and our purpose of why we live and why we do everything we do hasn't changed. That Jesus still said the Great Commission. He still said, Lo, I will always be with you. That as you go, make disciples, disciples that are taught all things, to observe all that I've commanded you. Baptize them, teach them, inform them. That our mission mindset and our mandate hasn't changed. That maybe this time is a time where our motives are going to be purified greatly. Our motive for work, our motive for parenting, our motive for ministry, our motive for money, our motive for gathering, our motive for grouping and growing, our motive for eating and drinking, our motive in all that we do. That it would be a mission motive of love for Jesus. And obedience because of our love for Him and serving those around us. Because I found that another faith blocker is unthankfulness. And I thought about how the coronavirus, one of the symptoms is, is people cough. And, and they've advised that you want to stay six feet away from people. And I thought, oh dear God... How at times in my life, in the life of followers of Jesus, that really there was like a six-foot rule of being around some believers or some believers being around me in some moments because I coughed negativity and complaining or, or slander or, or bitterness or, or unthankfulness out of my life. When the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to impart grace to the hearers. How can we impart grace to the hearers if we don't allow the Spirit of grace to fill our hearts with such gratitude? That in a time of uncertainty, we can be certain of some things. And the main things haven't changed, followers of Jesus. Main things haven't changed, dwelling place, congregation. Jesus is Lord, the great commission's at hand. His presence is with us. His comfort's available. His empowerment is here. The spirit of fear God's not given us. And I thought about the psalmist when he said in Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'll bless the Lord in the morning. I'll bless the Lord at noonday. I'll bless the Lord when I'm having to watch the Sunday gathering at my home. I'll bless the Lord in the evening. I'll bless the Lord during the coronavirus. I'll bless the Lord in the uncertainty. I'll bless the Lord in the mountain and in the valleys. I'll bless Him at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to have a mission, a mission mouth. That in this time, 
we give thanksgiving and gratitude for the Lord and His Word and His will and His way and His goodness in our life. Because we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to have power of the enemy and the spirit of fear. Power to focus. Power to be free to serve and to love and power for fruitfulness through dependency on the Holy Spirit at all times and all seasons, beyond the 52 Sundays of the year. A mission mind, a mission motive, and a mission mouth. Right there where you are today, if God's spoken to you, why don't you just go ahead and begin to thank Him? Why don't you just begin to go ahead and give Him praise? Why don't you begin to lift your hands and fill your home with the praises of God, with the thanksgiving of God? Oh, it don't take great faith to praise Him when everything seems certain. But God delights in His children when they won't fixate and focus on the seen, but they'll fixate and focus on the unseen Jesus in the supernatural, intimate presence of the Holy Spirit and we'll just keep praising Him. Why don't you begin to invite the Holy Spirit to work in areas of your life, to work in your marriage, work in your home. Our heart every Sunday when we preach is to get the Word from the pew and into your heart, into your home. Right this week, I thank God it's going straight into your home. That's where we always want to get it. We want your home to be different with the presence of God. We want your home to be different, your marriage to be different, your children to be different with the power and the ministry of God's kingdom on earth, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you ask God like He did on Acts 2 to just feel that room you're in, whether it's an upper room or a basement or a family room, to just feel it with His presence. To just feel it with His power and His joy and His peace and His comfort. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.